Yes. Okay, good morning, everyone. Well, we've got, got some exciting stuff over here today. Um, we're still in the, uh, we're on 80B at the very bottom. And uh, our, um, we're talking about a new kind of Tumah. That's all we want. We, were, we thought we had all the old kinds of Tumah, and now we get a new kind of Tumah. And um, this kind is really a doubtful Tumah that we really don't have any way of knowing. Um, where a person steps over a, an ancient grave and we don't know if the body was still intact. We don't know um, uh, if uh, he became impure or not. And so the question is, we know if a person came in direct contact what to do with it, but when you have something that's a doubt and we can't really resolve, that's called tumusatohom. And if a Kohen uh, did the service, or if a person brought, uh, brought his Korban Pesach and he has this doubtful Tumah, so the question is, uh, does that invalidate things or not? But uh, in life, there are a lot of times where there's doubts that will never be fully resolved. In, in, in other words, the reality of our lives are things aren't always 100%. You don't know. So how do you deal with the doubt? And that's called the Tumah Satahom. And we're trying to, uh, we specifically wanted to know if the Kohen had that kind of impurity, a possible impurity, would that invalidate the offering? And that's really the, the subject that we've been on, which is uh, we had that if everybody's Tameh, then uh, Hashem accepts the Tumah, so to speak. Tumah or we allow the Tumah. But what about if we're not accepting Tumah, but a person may have had individually, may have stepped over it or may have a doubt? And so that's really been the question. So we were trying to bring a proof uh, by process of elimination on a specific case that it was talking about Tumas Atohom and that we were referring to the coin. As the Umara said, four lines from the bottom on Peyamid Beis. You see, it's permitted. So is that the proof we were looking for? So Rav Yosef said, no, that's not convincing. It's not a convincing proof. You don't have to learn that's the case. Really, we're talking about the owner being Tameh. And we had the owner being Tameh is not quite as bad as the Kohen being Tameh. The owner, it's his Corbin, and he needs to be pure to bring it, but the Kohen is the one who's there in the base Amigdash doing the service. So even though we allow an owner maybe to have the doubt, maybe who says we allow the Kohen to have the doubt? If there's one thing you want to be sure of is that your Kohen is, all, is, uh, is not a, uh, possibly Tameh. Uh, Tumah is the enemy. In other words, uh, it's the, uh, it's, it's a, it interferes with our part of the Korban Pesach is we want the idea of holiness, of connection, of Hashem. And Tumah is the idea that uh, is a distance of Hashem. Or, or a, uh, so we wouldn't want the Kohen to be Tameh. We don't have a proof that that would work. So, La'olam Babalim. So then, now it's just a question of the case. So, Ube Pesach. And we're talking about a person is bringing a Korban Pesach. And so we seem to be excluding something. What were we excluding? The mute tumusatom de ziva. What about if a person has a doubt if they have uh, one of these impurities of the flow? Um, and so uh, we, were, we were saying maybe they touched, touched a flow, they, you know, they cleaned away the garbage and there was a ziva, but the, the, most of the people learned that it, it's dealing with a the person themselves. They don't know if they're done flowing. 
I hate those words, right? They don't know if their, their body is done. Uh, in other words, they, they had this issue that they had this uh, sickness. And once it clears up, they can be purified. So they're counting the days, but they, when they brought the offering, they didn't know if they were done or not. So that's, uh, the word taho means it's like hidden, it's deep down. So uh, when they brought it, uh, the question was, is that good? So uh, we're saying that maybe if a Kohen had a doubt about whether his flow was done or not, uh, and he did the service, uh, it's going to be, uh, we don't have a proof that that's accepted. That's not accepted, in fact. So then the Gemara says, is that true? Does, if a person isn't sure if his flow stopped, are you sure he doesn't get a pass? Uh, let's ask about the following case. Now, there's a man who has a flow, and there's a woman who has a flow, and the rules differ a little bit. Usually with the women, it was talking about blood. It was talking about the menstrual blood and fluids and stuff like that. And the men, also, it's talking about seminal emissions and stuff that's coming out of that uh, organ. So, uh, but we learned by a woman, Shomeris Yom Keneged Yom. The story is that if she bled for a day, so then she has to be cleaned for a day. If she bled for two days, then she has to be cleaned for two days. And she's trying to um, see if it's cleared up. So that's called Shomeris Yom Keneged Yom. Just the terms. We're going to get a lot of Tuma terms thrown at us. Uh, and it's, again, it's a whole deep subject. And we're just scratching it. And so some of it is a little foreign uh, at a, on one foot. Uh, but um, it's, uh, you're able to understand the Gemara, even if you don't know every single Tuma law. But, uh, so it says over there, this woman uh, was in the process of purifying herself. And she was hoping that her flows had stopped. And uh, they brought the Corbin, they were bringing a Corbin for her, and it was shechted, and it was sprinkled for her, uh, on her second day. Uh, this was, in other words, she wanted to join the Seder, and she wanted the mitzvah of Pesach, but she had been bleeding before then. So uh, they didn't know if her flow had stopped. Uh, and if her flow had not stopped, she, she would have to wait for Pesach Sheni, if you assume a woman makes Pesach Sheni. But um, uh, we don't know if it's going to stop. So, on the other hand, uh, she was hoping to eat from the Seder. So what happened is, she's in the Tumasetahom land. She, oh my goodness. I'm getting a public safety message. I'll have to figure out how to stop those wireless emergency alerts. Uh, thank God everything is fine. It said something about a traffic uh, flow uh, issue. <laughs> so, uh, boy, everybody tries to stop Torah learning, even the emergency calls. Okay, so something about 85 being closed. Uh, all right, so this woman uh, is, wants to join the Seder, and therefore she tells the uh, people when they bring the Corbin Pesach to include her. She pays her share. Her husband pays her share or whatever of the, of the lamb. And they sprinkle for her. And it's on her second day. But then, guess what happens? Bingo, uh, the, the flow starts again. Ra'asa, as we turn to today's page. She sees. So she definitely can't eat the Corbin Pesach now because she's tame now. But the question was... When the offering was brought, she hadn't been seeing then. She had been clean. So technically, the offering worked for her. So Enu Ochelis, she doesn't, she's not allowed to eat because she's tamay now. And she, uh, she doesn't have to bring anymore. My timer, what's the reason? It's because it must be it worked. Meaning that 
even though she was Tame, the fact uh, when we have people that were uh, in doubt if they're Tame, so we said before that this is one of the rules of Tumus Atom and it's, it works. So basically we see if somebody is possibly having a flow and they bring a Corbin, uh, that it, it, it works. So we, uh, uh, so we were saying that maybe this concept of the Tumus Atom only works by death Tumor. But it doesn't work by other kinds of tuma, and here we clearly see that we allow this woman who was menstruating or whatever was the, the, had the flow. Where where uh, we see that it works. So the Gemara says it's not a proof. Why not? It, it, the question really: uh, How does it work when she sees uh, starts flowing again? It's not that retroactively she was tame earlier. It's kind of like starting a new tuma. And so when, the, when her Corbin was brought, she was clean at that moment. So the, this is not a proof that a doubtful Tumor works because he holds that it's not that we say that she was Tame all along, it's just something new started. It's almost like each time she bleeds, it, it starts a new Tumor. So now we're just going to deal with that question, how does that work when the, the person is having the flows? Is it that it's like a new Tumor each time or is it like a continuation of the old Tumor? And that's a little bit of a debate. Uh, is that true that it goes from now and in the future? Uh, now we get to the man. And the man and the woman, it really depends on how much flow they had. A single flow doesn't really establish a pattern of tumor. But once they see multiple times, then we say they have a sickness, and then it's, uh, uh, they, uh, they, it takes longer to clear up. So if you have, now we're switching to a man. A man saw two issues. And he counted seven days, and it's Erev Pesach. And he's hoping that uh, by nighttime he'll be clean and he'll be able to join. And then, bingo, uh, he also starts flowing again. And same thing with the woman. We included her uh, on the second day, and then she sees again. So, We say retroactively, even though they stop bleeding for six days, and then they see on the 7th, we say all along they were tummy. Uh, because basically they didn't clean up. Uh, it's a question of how to look at this. In other words, when uh, somebody stops bleeding for a few days or, or a certain amount of time, and then they start again, does that show us that it never healed? Or it's another batch. It's another batch starting. So this was almost a contradiction. This one says it is retroactive, but then this one says they're exempt. So how could it be, if you're exempt, it means that when the offering was brought, we look at it like they were clean. So the Morris says, you're right. Really, that we look at it like they're clean. If the offering works, it means that at that time they hadn't bled for several days, they were clean. So what do we mean? It's retroactive. That's rabbinic. They, basically, uh, it's a very dangerous situation from Tumma's standpoint to have somebody with a flow. Because at any moment... They could become impure, and, and they, maybe they didn't realize, and they could contaminate everything. So the rabbis instituted that even if there might be an uh, in-between time where they're okay, we, we treat it retroactive. Uh, okay. So the question is, does everybody agree to that, about this retroactive, uh, that we kind of uh, say that they, uh, since it didn't fully clear up, that it's uh, part of the same bout of Tumah? Does everybody agree to that? Tumah says, Avramosha Savar Metamila Freya. Uh, he also agrees to that, and we can prove it. Tanya, we learned the following: Rebosha Omer, we're about a third of the way down. Uh, he said the following: 
if the Zav was clean for six days. And then, wouldn't you know, on the seventh morning, he thought he would finally get clear. Um, it, it's almost, uh, people have this, t- it's a very, uh, nothing is funny, but with the virus, people, when they, uh, when they get sick with COVID, and they need to have a certain amount of days where they don't experience any symptoms, and they get a negative. So sometimes they think that they're almost done, and then they go and then they get something that they, they got to start all over again. They need four days without symptoms, right? They were fine, and then they get a little sniffle or something, or a sore throat, or they ha- they experience this. Uh, that's the the reality of it. Unfortunately, is that it 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 brings to mind plagues and things that we haven't seen in hundreds of years. Thank God, you know, we we're so spoiled. This is our first plague, hopefully our last that we have to deal with. But it's uh, there have been uh, many other times in, uh, in history where people have had these kind of things. So uh, you got to start all over again if they get a symptom. They can't say, well, I, I had two days where there was no fever, but then they had another day, it came back. Uh, so, he says only that day do they lose, and they can actually count the other days. So the Morris says, well, why is that? Either way, if you say it goes back, once they get a symptom, then they should lose all the days. And if you want to say it's something new, uh, why do they lose that day? So what's going on with uh, how he, he says the, the counting works? Maybe he doesn't lose that day. And really, uh, it's only the thing that we go retroactive is only to rub on it. And Rav Yossi said he agrees. Now, how could Rav Yossi agree? Rav Yossi says that everything she sat on and everything she lied on, or he, is, is retroactively impure. So what do you see? It must be it's only midirabbanim. So in other words, because we're saying that really, uh, during that day, they don't lose that day. The days of, according, um, basically, they need seven clean days. According to this, they would get the days that they had that were clean, and then the day where they saw, they wouldn't get. But then when they start again, they could count those days that they had before. So it must be it's not retroactive. It's only rabbinic. So now the more is accepting that. We're trying to say it's not retroactive. So um, he said the following. Uh, when is it... Uh, he... He's saying this would only be for the impurity of death. Uh, so what other impurity is there? So maybe we could learn from here that we're talking about a Kohen. And if he had a doubtful Tuma, we're saying that it, it, since it's, it's a Tuma in doubt, uh, we would accept it. Uh, meaning that it would be acceptable, the, the service. You can't there's so many other possibilities to say we have a proof. It's not a proof. Olam, really, we're talking about the owner. Uba Pesach. And we're talking about Pesach. When he said death tuma, we were excluding creepy tuma. And uh, there was a question whether a person could join the Seder if he touched creepy that day. And he's impure now, and he'll be uh, eligible afterwards. And there was a question whether we allow that, and this would be going like the view you don't. So we had to exclude it. So the Morris said, Eller of Yossi, Ziva Gamora, Heki Mishkachasle. So uh, basically, uh, everything is fine now. We've explained what we said before. We never brought our proof about a Kohen. We'll have to get back to that with the Tumas Uh But one of the things that we said was that really, Minatora, 
uh, if a person stops bleeding and he sees again, each time is like a new bleed, but it doesn't go retroactive or a new flow. So if that's true, there's something called a Zava Gemura, which is, uh, it's, uh, the, now we switch to the female, but that's when she's bled for three days straight. Then she, it's not enough to count three clean days. She has to count a whole week clean. If a woman has uh, a flow for three days, then Minatora, she'd have to have a, a whole week that she'd be clean. So according to this, that you each time is a new time, so you'd never have three days of bleeding because each time would have a time in between where she stopped. So where would there ever be a person that would be get the full, uh, um, what they call a Zava Gemura, that has to have seven clean days? So the Gemura answered, Bishofas. Maybe the case is she's bleeding constantly. It doesn't stop. So, in other words, it's true. According to him, if it stopped, it, uh, the impurity would stop, and then it would start again when it starts again. So our question was, well, then how do you have three days? The answer is if it doesn't stop. Bishofas. Or, if you want, you could give another answer. Kigon Shirosa Koshnei she bleeds a little bit each day, like in, in, the, in the time in between, uh, um, if she bleeds in the Benishmashis, where the, it's, uh, it's half day and half night, so then uh, it could be that would be adding up to three days of uh, basically every day she was tummy. Okay, next question. Boy, Rev Yosef. Um, so uh, we're still getting back to our original question, which is this Tumas HaTohom which is a doubtful tumma, which again, in many cases, it's not so, you don't know 100%. So getting back to, let's say the Kohen is doing the service, and he's the, the only Kohen available for the daily service may have uh, stepped over tumma. So would that be good or not? So again, we talked about maybe for Pesach it would be good, but what about for the daily offering in the base of Migdash? Kohen is it permitted or not? Maybe you want to argue we have this leniency by Pesach. And by Nazar, maybe there it's good. But what about the daily offering, the base of Migdash? The importance of the daily offering, we can't underemphasize. That was the, we had that before. The, we, one of our fast days, the Shiva Asubitamas, was because they couldn't bring the daily offering. There's the idea that the importance of, of doing, um, when we daven every morning, that takes the place of the daily offering, right? The chakras. So maybe for that, we can't have any doubts. Maybe we don't have the Tumas over there. So me, I'm reading Kikamiri Tumas Pesach. Maybe it's true we accept Tumas a doubtful impurity for Pesach. That's once a year, and that's so important. We're not going to... We're not going to, and, and that applies to everybody, so we're not going to bump anybody for Tumas Atom. But maybe for the daily offering, Logamiri, we didn't hear that. Oh, Dilma, Yalav Tamid Pesach. Why don't we just learn one from the other? If you see for Pesach, Hashem allows the Kohen Dev Tumas Atom, so maybe for the Tummy too. So what's the story? So Rabbah says, let's use some logic over here. Kavachamer. Let's say a 48, if that's the word. Well, if he had for sure tuma, if he knew he for sure was tame, we wouldn't allow it. But we do allow a doubtful tuma. In a case where if you knew for sure he was tame, there are times when we accept it. 
Uh, and that was if the if the uh, if there was no coin available who was uh, who was pure, we actually would allow an impure coin to do the daily offering. Let's do the last Rashi on the previous page. If if the if if there's nobody pure, then you would even uh, for the daily offering you can accept impure. So so basically we see the daily offering must go on. So we would accept somebody impure when no one else is available. So if that's true, Enudin, as we turn to the top of the Vaman Beis, So certainly we should accept this kind of impurity. Um, uh, the, um, let's see the top Rashi. Even if you have people that are pure, we should accept the Kohen who might have been impure. That's the question. So Amri, the Mora says, why are you using logic over here? Do we use logic in the laws of impurity? The laws of impurity have their own sets of logic. They don't use regular logic. There are places in the Torah where Regular, it's based on regular logic. And if there's a contradiction, it means we misunderstand something because we have to, it has to fit the rules of logic. And then there are parts of the Torah that have their own rules. That they don't go by human logic. Tuma is one of those things. And I think that's why we're frustrated with it is because we want to apply our human logic and feel like we, we, we get it. Um, some people say that's why the uh, laws of purity uh, bring such atonement because at the end of the day they mean we accept the will of Hashem. Uh, the, the purpose of Paraduma, for example, was that when the uh, people were scared, when Moshe Rabbeinu didn't come down, they felt that we have to take charge, we have to, we have to see our God, we have to know all the answers. And uh, the Paraduma says, well, why are we doing this? I don't know. Uh, didn't you say that uh, this makes you pure uh, sometimes, but in this case it makes you impure? Like, there are too many rules over there. At the end of the day, the paraduma purifies because it says that we are going to follow Hashem whether we in our human understanding get it or not. So at the, at the end of the day, we don't try to use logic on these kind of rules. So what's our Gemara doing that for? Didn't we learn Omelo, Rebbe Lazar, Kiva, Rebbe Kiva was trying to use logic on his Rebbe. So he said to him, the concept that even a small piece of bone has contamination, uh, that's a halacha, that's, that's, uh, that's uh, this, one of these halachas that it's not based on human understanding, how we can, you know, we, we wouldn't know exactly what causes contamination and how much. So the fact that if it's the size of a barley corn is contaminated, that's Allah Moshe Rishina. The fact that you need more blood than you need bone, that's uh, that's uh, that's also halacha. Or You could you could you could try to use logic, but we don't. Ain't done a So uh, therefore, we uh, we can't use logic over here. We have to have psukim. So wh- where do we learn out? Uh, what about the daily offering? If you can have tumas tahom, if a kohen had a doubt about his impurity, whether he could do the service. El Omar Rabbi Yalv we learn from Pesach. There's a pasuk. The tumas gufa hekusi. Where does the Torah talk about uh, this impurity, the doubtful impurity? So Omar Rav Lazar, Omar Kra, it says like this: Vikiyamos mesolav. It says uh, the laws of impurity are. It it uses a double sense. When a dead person dies, well, guess what? A live person doesn't die. <laughs> the ki yamos meis. 
when the dead die, the dead die. How does the dead die? He's dead already. Uh, so why does it use that uh, that double sense? So he says, It means when you know he's dead. There's no doubt. No doubt, that's right. So Tumasatom means you're not sure. The Torah is telling you that you can't do the service when it's Yamus Mace. It's, uh, he, he's really dead. You know, dead, uh, no, no, doubt, no doubt about it. So uh, that implies if there's a doubt about it, maybe it's not so bad. So that's the source. Uh, so the more said, Ashka, Nozer. All right, that's by Nozer. What about Pesach? It says that if a person is too far, far away, uh, it means he's sure he's too far away. It's clear to you. But if it wasn't clear, then maybe you'd be obligated. Again, also that these the Torah is speaking in terms of where you're for sure. Rishimin ben Lakish Amar Kederich. It's like uh, the, he's on the way. My Derek Begoli. It's it's clear. Aftuma Nami Begoli. Tuma also has to be clear. So the Gemara now is is saying that there are sources uh, that when the Torah talks about a problem, all of the problems have to be clear. Uh, not something that there's a doubt about. So that teaches us that when there's a possibility that it's fine, that's a different story. So that's what the Gemara wants to say right now, that we have sources, we have verses that teach us the Tumas at home. Mesve, Gemara says, not so quick. I got a question. Hey, says Tumas at home. What does Tumas at home mean? Tumas at home means... This is something nobody knows for sure. It means that there's a doubt and there's no way, uh, no, there's nobody who knows the answer. But what about if somebody does know? It's just you don't know. Then it's not too much to tell him. In other words, he stepped over something, so he doesn't know where the dead body was, but what if somebody else does? So, uh, uh, according to this, it has to be that nobody else knows. It says he has to know. He says that if uh, if somebody else knows, it would be too much at home. It says two people have to know. She says everybody has to know. And so basically, those are different definitions of too much at home than the one that we just taught. We said too much at home means nobody knows. And the previous definition says you have to know, or one person knows, or two people know. So clearly, those are not the same tumas atahum. El tumas atahum, Gemara said, you're right. Forget that. Those are not good sources for the tumas atahum that we're talking about. Tumas atahum, that's one of the things Moshe Rabbeinu taught at Harsinai. Aye, we, we had hints to it, uh, where it's surely dead, and this and that. Cross Maktabiyam, those are just hints. Hints mean you can't really prove 100%. They just show overall, you see, that we talked in terms of really knowing they were Tameh, and if a person doesn't really know, it's not so simple. Okay, fine. Let's get back to something that we mentioned before. Omar Mar Baravashi, Lo Rika. So getting back to the rule of the Mishnah, we were talking about, uh, we're no longer talking about Tuma of the, uh, of the depth for a second. Uh, we were talking about if a person found out they were Tameh, after the sprinkling, uh, or or the blood of the korban was tameh after the sprinkling, so we said over there that since he found out afterwards, uh, and in the base hamigdosh there's a special uh, program where they have the tzitz program that the 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 the, the, the kohen gadol wore on his forehead 
that in case something was brought betuma, that it works. So we said over there also, if you found out afterwards, it's okay. So that's only if you found out after the spritz. The key is rigdam shaprit because when you did the sprinkle or the Kohen did the sprinkle, everybody thought everything was on the up and up. But if you knew ahead of time, before you did that service, there was a problem, then it's not going to work. More has a question in the following case. So uh, the people traveled on a road, and then afterwards they found somebody was buried under the road. And they were buried on the width of the road, which means that they, somebody probably had to step on it, step on the, on the deceased, step over it. So the truma tame. So if you're a Kohen and you eat truma, you can't eat truma anymore. You got to go to the mikveh. But if you're a Nazar and you're doing Pesach, we let you proceed even though you passed on that road. Um, and um, the, uh, what's the reason that we... Um, uh, the, the question here is, uh, we'll get to the question is, that we're assuming that the, uh, for the laws of Pesach that it was doubtful. He doesn't know for sure if he stepped on it. Now, the question was, if it was on the width of the road, how, why is it doubtful? Um, so that's what we're going to see. That, the Gemara is going to discuss that in a second. So um, let's read the words again. If you find a deceased, somebody's body that's lying down on the width of the road, so in order, for the laws of Truma, you got to stop. For Tame, uh, Tame, it's no good. For a person who's a Nazar or a Pesach, and he passed by that road, we say it's Tar. And, um, and all these laws of whether they're Tame or Tahar go towards the future. So Eli, Iyitmar, um, so, um, So we seem to say the um, we seem to say the kol tamivatar lahabahu. The he would uh, it would have to be in the future, not going backwards. So um, this seems to be even if he knew he had passed by, that would be acceptable. So is it acceptable or not? Eliyitmar, if you learned it, Hachiyitmar. Omar, Mar, Ravashi, Lotema, Nodolachosriku, Don't say if he only found out after the sprinkling, it's no good. But if he found out before the sprinkling, even if he found out beforehand, we're saying over here that if you pass by the road, it would be okay because it's still a doubt. So now we're going to get to that case. That Sometimes when you learn the Gemara ahead of time, it confuses you because... You're remembering what the Gemara is going to say in a few lines, and you're trying to understand it based on what you learn now. Uh, and again, we're going to examine that case of the person that walked over the road and later on found out somebody was buried there. Gufa, we learned. Hamotzi mace. If a person found that there was somebody buried there, Moshkov lying there, the Rokh of Shulderach on the road. So, Litruma, Tame, if he wants to eat Truma, he's Tame. But, Linazo, say Pesach Tohar. Um, when is that? That's if there's no way he could have crossed over there without stepping over the, de- uh, the deceased. If there is a way, the road is wide enough that maybe he didn't, actually he can even eat truma at such a doubt. And when is this? 
that it's a whole body. Alba b'shover, but if it's pieces, uh, so even if the body is lying on the whole road, there's gaps in the body. So then he would be tamer. Why? Shema ben aprakim over, because maybe he passed in between the parts. But if it's a, uh, it's a grave, it's not just that somebody died and was buried there temporarily, but there was actually a, a box, a, um, a tomb, so then it wouldn't help, even if it's broken. When the body's in a tomb, the whole tomb is tummy. That's if he's walking on foot. But if he's schlepping or riding, then no matter what, he's tummy. Uh, see, that now we get to the answer of what was bothering me before, is what the Gemara is saying. Now, when you go by foot, it's possible that he didn't step over it. It's possible that he didn't touch or lean over it. A person is pretty skinny, so to speak. The amount of space, and it's on the road, the road is not going to be an exact match to the body. So if it's just him walking, and we have a doubt, so we said for Truma, it's Tame, but for these other things, it's Tumasatahom, it's okay. Uh, we don't really know if he, if he stepped over it or not. So when is that? That's when he's a private person, Abu Toyin. But if he's schlepping bags, oh, Rachiv, or he's riding a horse, then it's not possible that he, because he's so big, if he's on a wagon, then he's for sure going to touch. That's because we don't know. But if you knew, then it's Tommy. And what is Tumas Hatom? We don't know exactly where the body was. But if somebody knew, ain't that Tumas Hatom? One more case. What happens if they found later there was somebody buried? It wasn't in dirt. Uh, well, it could be in straw and dirt and pebbles. That that's uh, we don't know exactly where the person. That would also be tumasatohum. Somebody there was a deceased person somewhere in the ground. What whatever the material of the ground was, dirt, straw, stubble. What if somebody was uh, uh, had died in the water? It's it's spooky, but that's you know sometimes they find um, certain places in New York. That's where they dump the bodies. They there's certain places have that reputation that uh, you don't want to go fishing over there. It's the uh, so the question is is that tumas at home? So uh, there it's not tom means that you don't know. Guess what? In the water you could see. So in the water, it's not too much to And it's only by uh, the, these laws of, of death to as we said before. Uh, but in theory, uh, the other, let me just, the previous words, Bamayim in water, Bafela means like in the dark. Well, if you have light, you'll see it. Or Benikike Asloyim, there's a person who's not buried, they're like in the rocks. So you don't see them right away, but if you look, you'll see it. So, um, we're more or less finished with this Tumas Atom. I don't know if you'll ever learn it again until the next cycle of Shmon Esrei, but this is, again, the question of doubtful Tumah. When a person stepped over something that nobody really knew where he stepped and where the body was. So we're saying that applies uh, when it's buried and hidden from sight. But if actually it could have been seen, he just didn't bother looking, that's not, the Tumas Atom doesn't apply. Uh, and so uh, that's that's what we want to say again as we finish these laws of Tumas Atom. New Mishnah. Okay. Now uh, let's go. What happens if the Korban Pesach is Tame, and you knew about it, and you could put a hold on it? So then, what do you do? Uh, so obviously, you'll get another animal or another goat. So what do you do though? Nit Mashalim. 
if the whole Korban Pesach becomes Tameh, or over the majority, they had a special place where you could burn it. So if your Korban Pesach uh, became totally impure uh, before you processed it, so you take it up front, uh, right in the front there, there's a big fire, and uh, you could burn it, and then you'll need another one. Nitma miuto, if only, let's say, only a little piece of it becomes tummy. Vahanosa, uh, or it's left over, so for no, then you could burn it at home, or on your roof. Your roof is a good place to do it. You don't want to burn, you don't want to make a fire in your home, you make a fire in your roof. Okay. Now, if you do it at home, you do it me atzman, you got to pay for the wood. So, in other words, uh, because there's a rule that you burn the leftovers or you burn something tame, so who covers that? You got to cover it. The so Mishnah mentions a funny thing. It mentions sheepskates. Sheepskates are siknin. Hasiknin, sheepskates, sof and oslif neabira, what they would do is they didn't want to pay for the wood, so they would go to the temple to burn their leftovers, garbage disposal. Bashvila had a to use the temple for wood. Rashi, hasiknin, etzranim, people that hold back, klomer, shame, sorry, stingy people, so they would burn esamach and itma vesenoser. They didn't want to cover the cost. Uh, they would go and burn it there. I'm not sure if, if we're looking at them in a bad way or we're just saying that's what they would do is they, they had the fire over there. They had a free fire, so they would go and burn it over there. Okay, let's see the Gemara. The, the Gemara has a funny question, which is uh, the, uh, the person's carbon pesto became tame, and we said they had like a free disposal there, a big garbage dump there in the base of Migdush. Uh, it was right in front of the. Uh, it was in front of the bira. It, it was like uh, you had the whole Jewish people were coming up for Pesach, and the garbage disposal wasn't in the back. It was in the front, in front of everybody. So why they do it in front of everybody? Uh, so Omer Yosef It was to embarrass the person who whose korban pesa became tame because they should have been more careful. It, you know, it's uh, you're bringing a corn pesach and, and you weren't careful, you were negligent. Uh, you got a dead creepy over there. Well, maybe you should look, they shouldn't have a dead uh, creepy in your corn pesach or whatever, or or keep an eye on it. So, apparently, when they had to burn it, it was burned in front of everybody. Everybody could see who wasn't careful with their corn pesach. But they said if it's a small part, then uh, then you could uh. Uh, then that was different. You could burn that at home. For a minhu, where's the question? We're talking about a different case where if somebody uh, they they were they uh, they had uh, they put some leftovers in their pocket or in their saddlebag. They weren't hungry at that moment, and they were planning on eating it a little later at the end of the seder or something. And then they didn't realize, and they walked out of Yushalayim with it, the holy meat in their pocket and taking it out of Yushalayim is no good. So it depends when they found out. Im over Sofim. So if they already left the city, they passed the lookout mountain so so from Makoma, then they can burn it wherever they are. Vim la, but if they didn't go that far, then Choser was Sofa, then they go to the, the burning place in front of the base of Migdish. We'll talk about this tomorrow about burning the Tumah and where you put it. Okay, have a great yeah, yeah, back to Yushalayim, that's right. So uh, have a great day, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us for Tumo Yedua. <laughs> okay.